Hey girlies, welcome to Crisis Twink, the podcast where we ring the alarm about cultural emergencies. Whether it's a flop album, an insane headline, a problematic fave, or just something that needs to be urgently discussed or you'll die, we're going to revive it and make sure it gets the medical assistance it so desperately needs. My name is Drew Haskins, and I'm the only twink who can save a culture in crisis. My guest today does not need an introduction, but he will receive one anyway. Um, You may know him as one of Twitter's foremost tastemakers, a cultural critic, and the auteur behind the acclaimed film, Allison Williams on the Red Carpet with a Ken Burns slow zoom out and down and out in downtown by St. Vincent faintly becoming audible in the back. A hearty crisis would welcome to Bobby Highland. Hi. Hi, Oomph. Oh my God. Hi, Oomph. I'm yeah. so excited to be here. I am so excited to have you. It is um, a true thrill to have someone with a good taste and someone who does make me laugh as much as you do. <laughs> like, truly, I, I need to know about your process first and foremost, because I consider you one of, I think, Twitter's two great videographers let's say right now along with uh Gifford Elliott oh Giffy of course yeah um well I mean for starters of course thank you for having me on um my process I feel like I'm pulling back the emerald curtain Mm -hmm. um and then there's going to be nothing behind it (laughs) (laughs) there's no wizard here yeah impulsive um Um, I think it was originally like, you know, Jared on Twitter. Yeah. Um, he originally posted that photo of Allison Williams. And I was floored because I had just finished Girls. Yeah. For the first time. For the first time. Oh, so you're vulnerable at this state. Like, oh, it, <laughs> you're like, like yeah. It's truly like a mental reprocessing, like six month yeah. period. Um but of course I was floored by the photo um, because I think at the same time, someone had tweeted that she looks like a San Francisco Silicon Valley bridesmaid, mm-hmm. um, which, yeah. <laughs> no, and I like that fully was her, I think during girls too. Cause she, I don't know if you know this, like she was married to one of the co-founders of funny or die for a long time yeah like she like was in like the startup world as like a startup wife essentially oh my god wait that makes so much sense yeah they have since divorced but like you're not wrong that she's in that that sphere I'm glad how at how apt that tweet was but basically like I saw that photo and I don't know I think it was like I was about to pass out. So I had like delirium <laughs> or whatever. Uh-huh. And I was just like going through my photos, like trying to think like, okay, like, let's see what we've got. And I have like the iMovie app on my phone. And I just wanted to add like um, some background music to that photo because like through Instagram stories, you can do that. Yeah, of course. But iMovie offers you like the Ken Burns by default. <laughs> and like all of a sudden, like I just watched, like it like was super zoomed in on her face and then you just see it fly out. Like, so immediately I had to be like, well, you know, that's not going anywhere. No, it's, it's, 
there's something very like profound about it that's like really stood the test of time compared to like most fan cams or anything like I don't even know if it's a fan cam but like there's like you know great art comes under from under duress and I'm glad that you felt felt so you felt so put upon to do that like it's it's truly electrifying work um it is crazy too how iMovie like that the zoom out thing is the de facto thing too because like my mom is always sending me weird like slideshows almost of like our dogs like zooming in and out in and out and like earth wind and fire is playing like I don't think she put that song there either it's or like I don't know how she would have done it but like I guess it's like Apple's pushing us to be like the most Lynchian versions of ourselves which is I literally was just about to Mm -hmm. like to me while that word is thrown around oh yeah I think that I did tap into something Lynchian with that. Yeah. Not to give myself too much credit because David Lynch, of course, (laughs) the best. The best. Alison Williams, also the best too. Like it must be said. I love her. Yeah. Her Marnie, especially in season two. Yeah. Girls is like revelatory. They're all really good. Like, I mean, I just, I love that show so much. Like I've been dancing around a rewatch for almost a full calendar year now it sounds like I'm like on the ledge and like threatening to jump no I like it's <laughs> I need to be in like a perfect head state or headspace to watch that and like I don't know I'm like this may be my um tomorrow's my birthday actually like I hate to do this on oh. air but like I may 27 may be the year for me to like because I feel like I'm like girl's age right now yeah, and this may be the time to like throw myself back in because I haven't wa- I haven't rewatched since it aired. Really? Yeah, and I was twenty two when the final season came out. Was I? Yeah, twenty two. It's been like five years, I think. Yeah. Yep. So I feel like I'm like due for like a mid to late twenties watch of it. Oh, I cannot recommend enough. I feel like I'm close to rewatching it also. <laughs> And I'm like jealous that you're like about to relocate into like girls central. Cause like, I would love to have like a girl's experience in Chicago. And I feel like it's just like impossible given how like, I mean, it, Chicago just isn't Brooklyn. And like, it's also not 2012 anymore either. So like, I can't like fat, even though like I am throwing a 2012 themed birthday party this week, which is sick in the head to do, but like, I actually praxis it is it okay well if it's practice then I'll or practice and I'll do it but like I just am so fascinated by all this like indie slee shit like that's popping up and I I don't know it's been 10 years yeah she's still so like Lena's still so controversial though I was like talking to a friend of the pot of Lena Mitra the other day and she's like staunchly anti-Lena still and I'm like what's what I like I don't know what she needs to do at this point to like convince people otherwise yeah yeah like I mean I don't deny that she's like incredibly cringe like on the regular but she's also one of the few people that's so like disarmingly earnest in terms of like the media she produces that like you just have to give her credit for that 
and there's so much shit that is like fake earnest right now too like between like I mean I haven't seen Tad Lasso so like I can't speak to any of that but like I thought I mean I just finished Hacks season two last week and I don't know if you're caught up with it but like I also I was I I liked it just fine but I was like oh this is a very different show than season one no I totally agree like I think that I don't know it almost like just like arced backward in terms of like Jean Smart in the first was like this like super biting character and like like it was based around her and the compromises she has to make as a comedian and the second one just like really was so heavy-handed in its earnesty is that a word but like yeah just like it kind of came across as like well this is like you said an entirely different show yeah and like it had such like a nasty bite to it for season two like they were all like genuinely kind of mean and shitty and like to undo all that like I mean, Park, I mean, a lot of comedy shows do that, though. Like, Parks and Rec did that by the end. Like, 30 Rock sort of did that by the end, too. And, like, I don't know. I guess it's just, like, oh, and Schitt's Creek definitely did that. I mean, and I'm, like, a Schitt's Creek apologist or whatever. Like, I think that show is, like, cute and fun. Yeah, it's cute. Like, (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) I mean, yeah, it it makes me laugh. I'm, like, I mean, like, Catherine O'Hare is such a comedic genius. Like, I'm not going to not like that, you know? Yeah, but I, I do what is something that's like good about girls and like good about something like Sex in the City, which I just watched for the first time earlier this year, I'm which was like my first watch too. Really? Oh, you're are you in it right now? Yes. Are you just, okay. I don't. It keeps the same like tone and consistency. I think basically throughout, which I really appreciated. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um. Okay, I think we need to get to the crux of why we're here today. So this is a very special episode of Crisis Twink. I guess a pride episode, which I don't relish saying, but like, here we are. Friend of the pod, producer of the pod, John Boone, texted me out of the blue the other day and was like, you should do a rundown of the top 10 pride anthems and I sat with that for a while and I was like huh not a bad idea so what we're doing today in the first edition of what I'm going to call uh the men in music business conference we (laughs) are going to run down a list between the two of us we have two lists of the best gay songs now this doesn't mean anything gay is like I think a meaningless adjective almost at this point, especially when you put it in an artistic context. I don't have a gay man on my list. I don't want to assume that you do or do not either, but like. I also do not. And why do you think that is? Because <laughs> I, I, I don't think men typically make good pop music, like with some exceptions and stuff, but there wasn't going to be a weekend song on this list. True. Like, I actually tweeted, like, two weeks ago. So, uh, you know, a thousand tweets ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I um, tweeted, like, why was George Michael the last gay guy to make, like, genuinely good music? Yeah, I, I, I 100% 
get that especially within the pop space because they're like gay guys who make like good indie rock music like I love Grizzly Bear like half of that very gay whatever like I mean and there's some good like Lil Nas X songs there's some good Troy Sivan stuff too and that's the first and last time I will say his name in this podcast um but for the most part like yeah like I don't like Elton John I don't like um, really either yeah because it's like corny like it's like cheesy dad rock like I don't like Queen or any of that either like that kind of like Broadway rock is not representative of me as an artist like I don't I don't like that no I honestly agree I will never forget the Rolling Stone review that I read like in retrospect obviously from like I think it was like either the 70s or the 80s when Queens was when Queen was first coming out and Rolling Stone described their music as fascist. That's wild to me because then you're like, what could they be calling something like something so fascist? Like it must be like this like cool, like like kraut rock or something. And then it's like, I want to ride my bicycle. Like what what are we <laughs> what are we doing with that? Like yeah honestly I know it's nice to know though that like even 50 years ago people were throwing around the word fascist as if it was like <laughs> like no, no one's ever known what it means it sounds like so, <laughs> literally it's great great to know uh, that we have not gone smarter in a century and probably have gotten even worse so okay this is how this is going to work so we're just going to go back and forth you are going to say a song and we're going to talk about it and then I am going to say a song and then we're gonna talk about it. Did you rank yours? We have not discussed this beforehand. So like, this is all on the fly. I did not rank them. However, okay. I did sort of let the ones that I knew for certain come to mind first. So maybe like their precedence will like suggests like a hierarchy. Okay. Sort. That's sort of what I did too. This is a very, I have a pretty like first thought list as well. So maybe let's go in order from least precedence to most precedence. Is that doable? Sure. Okay. Wow. What a, that was a peek behind the Emerald Curtain, which I don't like doing on this podcast, but mo- uh, like I've gotten DMs being like, you should talk about the process more. And I'm like, I don't, ha- that's fucked up. I hate that like you would want to know that, even though I did just ask you what your process was, but the kind of art that you make is a lot more like culturally meaningful than um yet another gay podcast I would say so um with that being said what is your what's the first song on your list um untouched by the Veronica's perfect perfect okay so why did this make it on so I noted Kinsey six um like two years and Um, One of them is six years older than me. So like she was going through middle school, I think, when Untouched came out. Mm -hmm. Um, Not to reveal my age or anything. but (laughs) (laughs) So she always had control of like the radio and, you know, the aux cord or whatever it was at the time. And so she would always play that because like that was when it first blew up. And like I was like, oh, my God, this is a classic. Yeah. And then I think if I'm not mistaken, both of the Veronica's, the titular Veronica's came out after the fact, a decade later. I do believe that is the case. Um, I know one of them for sure dated Ruby Rose, which is one of the queerest things you can do. 
<laughs> it truly is. Yeah. I love, I, I think this is such a great um, inclusion on this list, like something for for the lesbians, something for the queer femmes out there and Australian representation too. Exactly. Shout um, out. I, they've, those two have always given a big like property brothers vibe to me. Not, <laughs> no, not because like, not just because they're twins, but like there is something very like, sexually charged for sure there that's like and maybe that's just because like if you're twins singing in unison about like feeling so untouched right now that is like you know a scenario yeah I mean beach house are not twins but I would argue that it's like a similar abundance of sexual tension but aren't they well partner they were just revealed to be partners okay because I like I thought they were for a long time and like then I googled it when um once twice melody came out and nothing was confirmed but it was like not confirmed in the and like you know like glib like oh like we're not going to talk about this right now mm-hmm. kind of speak I don't think for the Veronica's have ever given like we're not going to talk about it right now <laughs> statements because like courting that kind of like like, like positioning yourself as like, what if Tatu were sisters is not exactly like a great angle for, for branding and marketing, especially in the Bush era. Like, I mean, it's, it's hard enough to be gay now, (laughs) 14 years ago. Well, okay. I think that's a really good inclusion. Um, my 10th song was Bad Girls by Donna Summer. <gasps> okay, I'm not gonna spoil my uh, chart position for my Donna Summer song, but absolutely period. It's toot toot beep beep. Like sometimes that's all it order. takes. Yeah, like I I think this is the oldest song on my list, but like, it's just so like disco in general is just like there's something so <laughs> proud. Like I can't I can't think of a better word than that. Like there it's also like so celebratory too. Like it, oh, in and of itself, like by definition, disco is that. Yeah. Yeah. All those old Donna Summer songs too are so like um like kind of subversive. I mean, this song's about like sex workers and stuff. Like she has a lot of song about like sex workers. Like, I mean, I feel love, not, I'm not, I don't want to spoil any song that we're about to talk about or anything, but like, I mean, I feel love is like such a crazy sexual song, like love to love you. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's really like you were getting away with a lot mm-hmm. in those days. Yeah. And doing yeah. a song with Barbara Streisand too. I mean, hey, that's, something for for the gays all right what about what's your next one um hmm. gloria by laura brannigan okay i love that similar vibe too it's just like apparently it was originally an italian song first yeah but to me that's just like quintessential like manic dance like almost like predecessor to Charlie XCX. Okay, I can totally see that. Like, it's like, 
I don't know, it like tells a tale about like partying, like destroying somebody like over time. And yeah. I just like, on top of the most like glorious, almost like symphonic sense, like it's just. No, it's, it's like one of those rare songs about partying that actually captures what it sounds like to be partying. Yeah. And like almost also a predecessor to Womanizer by Britney Spears. Oh yeah. Like I if everybody wants you, why isn't anybody calling? Like, yeah. Oh my God. That see, that's that's musicology right there. <laughs> like we're doing PhD level academic work. Have you seen um American Crime Story Versace? I saw the first two episodes. Okay. There's a point in one of the episodes where Darren Chris is like driving away from a murder scene. Okay. In screaming this song or screaming Gloria with like the windows rolled down. And it's like one of the best music cues I think I've seen on TV in a long time. Honestly, yeah. Ryan Murphy, one thing about him, he's gonna have a fantastic needle drop. Say what you yes. will about him. And like drops. <laughs> and Versace is a really good um, I would definitely recommend finishing it because like I think all the American horror stories, like since 10 years ago, are like basically unwatchable, but like the crime stories are consistently really good. And like Darren Chris, I like don't want to call him an ally because queer baiting that hard should be a federal offense, but he's so good in it. Like, and it's just nice to see a Gleek like do something. No, literally like congrats to a Gleek for uh, surviving the uh, gauntlet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you it is a gauntlet like if you make it to the other side with an emmy like you're immortal at that point no literally yeah i think it's a reflection of his talent that he was both able to survive glee and be able to portray a gay man not gay man not once but twice yeah without flaw and one very positive well one very positive representation and one very negative representation but like gay serial killers do exist and I think that like they talk about representation in media and I think it's important that like we see both sides of the coin you know very nice to see that um my next song is man I feel like a woman by Shania Twain (gasps) oh absolutely I was I hesitated to put this on the list because like not that this should like be an excluding criteria, but I know far too many straight guys who love singing along to this song, ironically. Mm. And that has soured it for me. But at the end of the day, I was like, you know, Shania needs to be on here somewhere. Or if not Shania, then Dolly. But I couldn't think of like a big like pump up Dolly song. Yeah. No, I understand that. Like in terms of like the singing of I think that, well, I mean, I'll just come right out and say it. This is actually my quintessential karaoke song. Oh yeah. Like I've duetted this with multiple people before. Um, We've made it into a duet. Like we will go over like who does what, Um, (laughs) but 
every single time like it gets the entire crowd riled up no it, it's one of those like universally beloved songs and she has a lot of the like also great karaoke song um that i've done a bunch that don't impress me much which almost made it on here too and that has a lot of like fun little like comedy bits which is like i don't like that in a song necessarily usually but like it she's charming and it's really good for karaoke because it's like right crowd Get work. audience involved yeah Car- when you describe karaoke on those terms it sounds like a nightmare <laughs> I will say it's like we're doing like stand-up comedy but like that's not that's not it like what are some other like go-to karaoke songs for you because this is like karaoke season I feel like Ooh, that's a great question um for a while it was also new rules by Dua okay um because that came out I think when I was oh my god I was a senior in high school when that came out mm. I'm sorry but yeah uh-huh. <laughs> but like that debut by Dua Lipa basically anything off of that like yeah bored me she also has like a deep voice too so oh, that's <laughs> it's exactly like good right? for guys yeah no it is like <laughs> it totally is I've done one kiss at karaoke before too which it's fun because you can do the little dance along with it and it's oh, of uh, course. yeah it's almost a requirement at that point though when you do that in the wrong audience they don't know what you're doing and they're like why are you doing that so it is I guess that's another stand-up comedy parallel you got to know your audience <laughs> like <laughs> who you're who you're performing to um um all right I think what is your next one um so I was considering like pop divas, but also by extension. Actually, do you mind if I have a hot take? Yeah, go for it. So I think that like the concept of a pop diva has since left the building um, in the age of streaming with the exception of like, you know, like Dua Lipa, Ariana. Um, yeah, I think that to refer to somebody as a diva these days, like it's almost like a democratized term where you're, you're more like signaling something about the pop maker. Yeah. Like, it's like, it's like, um, I mean, not to get too like Twitter in the weeds, but it's like saying like, she's mother right now, almost you're like ascribing like an essence to someone rather than actually like holistically assessing their broader cultural impact. Exactly. Like, I would never, you know, equate Laura Branigan and Donna Summer, despite both of them having classics. Yeah. Or even, like, say, like, I mean, I'm trying to think, but, you know, like, someone, like, say, I have, like, my next song, the reason I brought this up was One Thing by Amory. Okay. One of my favorite songs of all time, and I'm glad that's on this list. Not something I would necessarily think as a, of as a gay song, but definitely a gay, like, I mean, a song every gay man loves. Totally. Honestly, this one goes out to my homosexuals that also played Grand Theft Auto growing up, mm-hmm. like specifically Grand Theft Auto 5, because there was this one pop radio station that would always play this song, like, every 10 minutes, I would say. Yeah. And it, like every single time it came on, I was like, you know what? This is a classic. 
there is like a thriving community of GTA guys and not GTA guys. And I really wish that I were one of y'all because I know I would love that game. Like I, I, um, I'm from DC originally and Amory also is from DC and like weirdly enough went to Georgetown fun fact, but, um, she, one thing was inescapable and not to age myself, I was in late elementary school, I think, when this song came out. And like, truly, you could not go two blocks without hearing it. Like, like perfect song of the summer. So fun to dance to. Like, I, I, I think it definitely deserves the inclusion on this list. And I think like, you're right about the broader point. Like you can be a diva and have done diva-ish things without, doing much else you know <laughs> like not right. everyone has to be beyonce because be yeah okay not everyone's gonna be able to be a beyonce it was also way harder to have a hit 20 years ago than it is now because like you said democratized earlier like mm-hmm. we have so many artists that are like on someone's radar right now just because it's like so easy to just go on spotify like there should not be I mean, just to like use a microcosm, like there should not be five pop stars from Albania or Kosovo at a time. There should just be one. <laughs> and yet, we have, did I say five? I guess four. We have four, but that's still three too many. What is Dua, Ava, BB, BB Rexa, of course. And the recently engaged Rita Ora. Big congrats to Rita Ora. thousand <laughs> retweets. I'm doing yes. my next single. Oh my God. I love her. Um, I mean, like t- 20 years ago, there was only t- room for like one British person at a time. And now, like, oh, totally. We have Especially t- in the pop realm. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's so easy. Well, it's not easy to like break out, but it's at least easy to like get on people's radar about stuff and that's not just like pop exclusive like the indie scene is like not to get reductive because like they're all very good and different but like there's so many like 90s inspired alt rock girlies right now who are like oh for sure making pretty not like i mean like overlapping music i a thousand percent agree like whoever this quote this quote is attributed to I can't even remember the author but like the we are bound to be like defined by revivalism and pastiche and music from yeah. here on out that's you know we had disco in 2020 2021 I would say was more like almost like a punk revival yeah we're definitely in the pop punk yeah and now I mean kind of like we're also doing like soft rock like early 2000s soft rock and stuff too like like the Soccer Mommy album? Yeah, the Soccer Mommy. Like, even, like, the mainstream, like, the Lord stuff, the new Carly Rae stuff. Like, I don't remember who, um, it was some Stereo Gum interview recently with, like, some up-and-coming kind of, like, pop-leaning alt band whose name is escaping me right now. And they cited Michelle Branch as an influence. And I'm like, a good mm-hmm. influence. But, like, that's, that's, that's definitely, like, another wave that we're seeing right now. For sure. Like the Michelle Branch, Jack Johnson. Yeah. Like that's like a single drum kit, acoustic guitar, harmonizing. Like that's like so soul power. Yeah. But like solar, well, 
we can't talk about solar power on here because that could be an, an episode in and of itself. But like, if you it's, need <laughs> she like totally missed the point. Like the lyrics are like confessional, yes, or whatever. But like a lot of those like Michelle Branch songs, the Natasha Bedingfield songs, they actually have hooks yes. and catchy yeah. parts. And you, you can't forget how to make a pop song if you're making like something you're calling a pop song. Totally. It's just basic formula. Um, okay, weirdly enough for this one, for this spot on my list, I also sort of went on the same criteria. Um, and definitely one of the newer songs on my list, if not the newest song on my list. Um, I picked Immaterial by Sophie. Uh, I have a Sophie song in reserve also, and okay. I 1000% agree. I think Immaterial is of the two because of how quickly it harkens back to like you know Madonna the immediacy of like the pop hook yeah no like it's it's definitely her best like pure pop song Mm -hmm. and also one that like I actually think really entered like the instant classic canon so quickly like I was hearing it at pride events in 2018 when it came oh, yeah, out same. yeah like it's hard to do that unless it's like especially when you're not like a quote-unquote like established mainstream artist or whatever like that's crazy to do but mm-hmm. now like I hear it everywhere I mean, like it's just like on playlists like, at queer bars now oh for sure I honestly like I'm very glad that Sophie made the list because like Sophie's immediate impact was so like distinctively yeah queer I guess like the way that like she was immediately taken up by every single person yeah community and like how accessible her music was like it really was like a demarcator almost in terms of like whether you got her music or you didn't no what truly like a litmus test like my straight younger brother really likes pre-Sophie Charlie and not post-Sophie Charlie, interestingly enough. And like, that is like, it's literally like vroom, vroom onward. He's like, this is not for me anymore, which is crazy. But like, that's just like, you get it. If you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. Like, it's that simple. And like, it's funny because like, Vince Staples was able to see like Sophie's yeah, and like create like a fucking banger, if you will. And like, but aside from that, like Sophie's music really remained like at arena. Yeah. Like it it's it's rare to see someone be so like revolutionary mm-hmm. and like sonically impactful on like such a huge sector of the industry in such a short period of time. Like I don't think you could have like half of modern pop music or like contemporary right now pop music without. Sophie doing it. I a thousand percent agree. I would argue that Sophie like precipitated the Eurodance revival. 100%. That whole PC music craze like really was pretty forward thinking in hindsight. Absolutely. Like the pitched up vocals, like sure, like Nightcore was doing that too, but like for like something about PC music and then like Sophie adjacent music, like they. Yeah all collectively like revitalized the genre in like a new and novel way and like you hear something like 
Broken Flowers by Daniel Harley. And that's like, that could be an Ava Max song pretty easily. Oh, for sure. I mean, and it would slap. Yeah. yeah. There's a reason he worked with Claro and Carly. Yeah. Like, Like, more people should be tapping into that well, I think. I. Because disco's played out. Hot take. I think that's where Taylor's going. You think Taylor's going to make like PC music stuff? I would live. I mean, in 2019, would you have said that Taylor is going to do the national? That would have been more plausible to me. Okay. Than the alternative. Because there's stuff on Lover that does sound kind of like nationally already, like the title mm-hmm. track. Um, I, that, I would love to see that. I would That's really true. love to see that. Um, because like, she is very good at dabbling in genres for as much as people like to shit on like reputation and lover to an extent, like they're not fully successful, but they're like way better albums than people give them credit for. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm a reputation truther. <laughs> it's, it's still my least favorite one of hers, but like that's just because like the lows are so low. Yeah, but like, th- like there's some stuff on there that is like as good as anything she's ever written. Like, oh, for sure, delicate. Yeah, delicate. I really like gorgeous too. I know that might not be like a popular. Okay, so this is the sister community right now. Exactly. Um, what is your next? What's your next one? We're on for people trying to in vain to keep track at home. We are on, I think the the seventh placement in our list. Count if we're counting down. Um, mine was Disco Tits by Toblo. Okay. Um, I fully support that. Even though you, I believe it was you yourself tweeted earlier this week, and I 100% agree with you that No One Dies for Love is a better song than this. Can I have an addenda? Okay. Yeah. Um, I think that they should be for this position. Okay because they're both like immediate landmark <laughs> achievements in pop music that is specifically wired to make gay people like act out. 100%. I have not seen a single dissenting voice recently about No One Dies For Love. Like we all got in line pretty quick. <laughs> fell in line pretty quickly on this one like and that's what happens when you make stuff that's quality mm-hmm. like we people don't want to hear bad music and Tofolo for the most part I think understands that like she's very consistently good but like if you ask me to pick her two best songs I think Disco Tits and No One Does For Love would be the best two songs I a thousand percent agree I think that they are both just like um, like there's an immediacy to them that doesn't like cheapen them it's just like you get it the second that the song starts. Yeah, because like there's in both cases, like there's a hook right at the beginning, like Disco Tits has the like, I stay high, you stay high, we stay high, you looks pretty, which is like immediately you're like, what is this? And then like, no one dies from love just has a really good synth riff. And sometimes that's all it takes too. like, mm-hmm. I mean, that's the ABBA school of hit making. Like if you have a really good synth line, like that's half the battle right there. And then oh, you need yeah. a chorus. But Disco Tits is, has become, like, a TikTok hit recently, it seems like. I feel like it's, like, all over my page. Yeah. 
I'm not on TikTok anymore. Okay, so. you're better than I am. <laughs> I've I, like done the reverse. I wasn't on it until January. And I, now I'm like fully into it, which sucks, but. I don't blame you. I honestly, I just like recognize like, look, I spend enough time as is on Twitter, which like, mm-hmm. I mean, come on. Yeah. We all know that I spend way too much time on Twitter. We, we <laughs> all do. I feel like half of the people listening to this are uh, too, too on there. But like, I don't know, at least TikTok, like I can justify learning how to like bake cookies or something. <laughs> like I really am not like learning anything constructive from Twitter right now, which is not, like besides like news. Like right. I found out that Rita Ora was engaged the minute it happened today. And I'm not going to do that on TikTok necessarily. So <laughs> congrats to Rita Ora. Yeah, so we will be celebrating her throughout this podcast. Um, okay, my seventh one, uh, another song for the lesbians, uh, Closer by Tegan and Sarah. Uh, of course. This is like, I debated putting this one on too because it is so good, but I feel like it's too easy almost. Like mm-hmm. I've watched so much TV and so many like little made for Hulu like movies that use this song specifically as like a shorthand for queer joy. Mm. Yeah, no, definitely. It's almost like, well, I mean, just because like, I feel like Tegan and Sarah really were like they existed in this like pocket or like almost like niche for a while yeah or like the go-to alt pop super synthy like if you need like a pan over in a television show when like a queer moment is going on like they were the ones that like you would tap into yeah and this was like their first big pop moment too like those like mid 2000s Stephen and Sarah albums are like death cab albums essentially it's oh, like sure. it's so weird to like imagine them making a like greg kirsten max martin like edm pop pop or whatever mm-hmm. well i guess well i was like thinking in my mind during that parallel like i guess death cab like owl city is just pop death death cab so like Oh, absolutely. That maybe parallel was pretty good, actually. But I, I do like Closer a lot. Great song. I, I'm, I, I hate to say this about the one um, women who love women pandering song on my list, but like I don't like what it represents necessarily. Which I am begging, I am begging whoever is listening to not take that out of context. But like, I um. I don't know. It was a miracle that like Fire Island did not have closer in it. That's honestly, yeah. Mm-hmm. But like, I think that like that boys remix, the Charlie Boys remix, that like isn't that and promising young woman, like that might also now be like easy shorthand. Oh, and I don't want to shit. I'm not shitting on Fire Island because I did like that movie quite a bit actually but like I'm sorry it was cute I like same same thing as like all these like gentle tv shows like I thought it was funny and like I I don't know I didn't think it was like I thought it was like well directed to actually like there were some shots in there that I was like you didn't have to do like this didn't have to look like this for like a Hulu movie but right it was cute I don't know Tegan and Sarah totally cute whatever yeah yeah uh 
Yeah, no, I mean, like, even if that movie felt, made me feel bad at certain points, just because of how, like, truly sincere it was, I did enjoy it. Yeah, like, there's a place for sincerity, and, like, I don't want to, I don't want to, like, rehash the, like, Bechdel test (laughs) fiasco from earlier this week, but, like, it is cool to see the leads of a movie be, like, gay Asian men talking about being gay and Asian yeah and then essentially an all-queer cast like that's cool like we haven't had a movie like that and like representation is like not the be-all end-all for anything obviously but like it's still nice to see absolutely and also Bowen Yang is just so charming he's so charming and funny and like I like the whole cast I like I liked Matt Rogers in it I liked Matt Rogers quite a bit and he made me laugh so look I I will also give him that you know what yeah. he's charming in the movie congrats very today. very charming very funny um not I, okay you need to go on to the next song so what's the <laughs> next song um my next song is Anna Winter by Azalea Banks perfect okay um god what's there to say about Azalea Banks <laughs> she's the poet laureate of of America Poet Laureate, not only in her songs, but also in her Instagram uh, captions and subsequent comments, as well as now on Twitter again. Hey, yeah, thank God. I like, she said some pretty heinous shit since coming back on, but most of it has been really good. Yeah. Um, MacArthur Grant recipient, Zillian. Yeah. But where that funding, that funding has been put too much into Bussy Boy and not enough into like new music. Like we need- Exactly something new fuck em all night was so good too like i thought we were gonna get some more stuff after that but like impeccable cover art impeccable song impeccable lyricism yeah she still somehow has like the budget to make good stuff and i don't want i don't that sounded nastier than i meant it to but like she like (laughs) considering she's like entirely self-funded at this point like everything looks correct like right just like where is the studio the studio output you know yeah and also like the fact that like her manager like totally fucked her over at one point Um, yeah and like the label fucked her over too like I mean she was I mean it's like it's rare in these days to see like a genuine label struggle but like 10 years ago like it was so like the norm like people were like constantly chafing against like major label like pushback and stuff absolutely and sky still is and like i don't know i don't i used to i like people who listen to the pod know this but like i used to work for sky's label and i know i'm the villain i'm the villain but i didn't i i she has she was both like stymied by a a label that was not necessarily working in her best interest but also she just fundamentally does not want to make new music and that's also you know, when you're a recording artist, that's kind of hard to not want to make music. Um, but like, I don't know. I agree that Anna Wentworth merits a spot on this list. Azalea is also on my list. And I'm sure I'm sure you can guess what song that's going to be. But like, oh, of course. we can say that when we get to it. Um, my song on the sixth spot was Get Out of My Way by Kylie Minogue. Oh, my God. Wait. <laughs> I also have that on my list. Oh, you do? I do. So oh my god! Incredible timing because it was going to be my next song. Oh my gosh! I think. Do you have a backup? I could pick I any. 
Okay, if you just swap for an alternate, I guess, and you can pick which one when we get to it. But I like Kylie had to be on here somewhere. Like she's, she might be my number one, like pop diva, I think. Yeah. And this is definitely her most pride friendly song, I think. I would definitely agree. Yeah. Cause it's like, like can't get you out of my head is like, definitely like a it's a classic you know like nobody yeah. does that but it's it's more like almost like deep house it's club music yeah. and get out of my way is this sounds so derogatory I promise it's not parade music it's parade no, music it like yeah <laughs> like day drinking music yeah you're like walking down this or like strutting but like you're really like just like tumbling around day drunk like in a parade on a on a hot sidewalk and it's weho it's very weho like exactly that and there's a place for that right no and like you know if you tap into it in the right way then you're gonna potentially make a classic and that's exactly what she did 100 i think it is borderline criminal how few gay people actually know the kylie catalog outside of the twitter sphere I feel like she's properly appreciated online and by like the people who know but I know so many people people I would describe as dear friends who only know like three Kylie songs and I think that's so crazy no honestly like I feel like her reach I mean by a single song alone like with can't get you out of my head was so expansive but for some reason, she's still relegated to that like sort of like UK Commonwealth sphere of pop artists where like, mm-hmm. despite the success with that one song, she cannot break through that sort of marking. We're like gays mm-hmm. will know her music, but other people just will not. No, it, it is like there is that like transatlantic barrier because like UK pop music, especially UK pop music in the 2000s is leagues better than the American output from that time. And no one really like knows about it. And I think that's such a shame. Like between like Kylie, Girls Aloud, Sugar Babes, like all those, like there's such good yep. stuff there. And it's like, why did not this not cross over at all? Even just like on the Twitter sphere, I feel like people like not, I hate using that word, but like people like don't really like, I feel like I see it from some people, but like, I would like to see more of it, you know? Honestly, I think that not to keep using this word, but the democratization mm-hmm. of you know music consumption streaming ostensibly has its flaws but i think streaming also does grant you access to perhaps a wider range of music than say your radio early 2000s would yeah come for sure um so like like what's it, the excuse for not looking up new music though oh honestly yeah the power of searching is in your hands. It, it, it's like, do you want to search for it or not? The quote, if, um, what's that? What's that Madonna song? <laughs> I don't seek, I find. Is that what it's called? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. Oh my God, not to invoke that either. 
Um, well, uh, Kylie, I feel like Kylie gets compared to Madonna a lot. And I do think Madonna, the highs of Madonna are probably higher than the highs of Kylie. Oh yeah. But Kylie on an like post like teeny bopper, like post locomotion album by album, com- like comparison is more consistent, I think. I mean, I would agree. Madonna is, has since become, I would say not as much of an album artist. Yeah, I don't, I mean, she hasn't become anything rec- recognizably. I enjoyed the Madame X singles. <laughs> yeah. and oh, no, no, I love, I love the singles. And I, like, there's songs off of all these albums that are great, but like, stuff like God Control and <laughs> like, I mean, half, most of Hard Candy, which I just re-listened to the other day, because I was like, this can't be that bad. It's like, pretty bad, like. The singles are great, but like, I don't know, recent Kylie albums, though, even like the country pop one, they're all like pretty solid. So, yeah, exactly. Um, okay, I think we need to move on to the next song on your list. So, we're we've we're we're halfway through the our list, respectively. So, maybe we got to pick it up a little bit. But, um, what do you have? Um, so at number what is it, five? Yeah. At number five, I have If by Janet Jackson. Okay. Perfection. I don't have Janet on my list, and that is an oversight, and this is a perfect Janet song. I like adore this song. Yeah. It's, it's like, I mean, of course the music video is incredible, but like even without the music video, like it's just the most like sensual. I think this is the album that like based on like criticism from music critics, she totally self-wrote and was like, she executive produced it as well. Mm -hmm. So like for that, like keeping that in mind, like how excellent this song is, it just like takes it to a whole new level where it's like just this perfect, I don't know, like convergent all of her talents and artists. And then also of course the Kate Renata remix. Oh yeah, that's, that is canon already too. Like- Absolutely should be. I mean, that's how he got famous was through that, like- That boiler room set. Yeah, oh my God, it's so good. Like Janet, I think Janet is definitely like properly appreciated, but like her like triple threat status cannot be understated. Like as a writer, singer and dancer like like people like circulate clips a lot of her and every single time I will drop everything and watch it because like oh yeah I don't think anyone's like the only dancer that has come close to her is Brittany probably since Janet since Janet no I a thousand percent agree because Brittany is so widely considered to be like Janet's daughter basically yeah like like, pop wise 100 percent like and I don't know why, like, there are definitely, like, pop singers and R&B singers, too, who have, like, really, like, taken from Janet, but I don't know why she's not more of, like, an overt influence on people, because, like, she's done so many cool different styles, like, I feel like Feedback was having, a, like, a moment recently 
which is such a fucking good song that was my gateway jam that song if you can believe it like i definitely believe that honestly because it's such a good song the music video the opening like it's just like you literally like you have to like hold on to your chair basically yeah and i love the like the production from that era is so good like that was um danger who did he was timbaland's protege and he did half of blackout all of like circus and stuff like great output and that song's so good it sucks that like it didn't flop necessarily in the states but like it just you know post super bowl like i think that's honestly why i didn't listen to janet until i was like 11 or 12 yeah or something because like, in my mind, she was, like, sort of a joke, like, which is not true, obviously not true, but, like, my, like, you know, being a lizard brain, like, preteen, and as someone who watched the Nipplegate live when it was happening, like, mm-hmm. it was, like, I was too young to appreciate the music when she was, like, pumping out hits and stuff, and then, like, that happened, and she became, like, such a cultural pariah that I was, like, oh, like, feedback is really good, this woman makes really good music, well, let me go check everything else out, and then it's perfect. And yeah. if is perfect, like her bat, like the rare pop girl who can also do like ballads very well too. Absolutely. I usually hate a pop ballad, but Janet's ballads are like, I mean, some of them are like pretty schmaltzy, especially the 80s stuff. But, like those like 90s ballads and like sex jams, that's that's like, oh yeah, that's the good stuff. Yeah. For sure. Um, okay, what is my <laughs> okay, my <laughs> number five. We knew this was coming. Uh, Born This Way by Lady Gaga. Another Pride Parade song. It looked like as much as we may scoff at it these days, it exists in a yeah. certain place and time where it was truly like a moment for a moment. It um, was. Like, I and, I, you know, this should maybe be number one, but like, I don't want to give her the satisfaction. <laughs> And this song is a genuinely moving statement of allyship or whatever that is, like, also fucking crazy. (laughs) Like, the phrasing in the song is, like, it sounds like it's been, like, translated from another language. No, truly. Like, especially the, um, what is it? The second or third chorus, where it's, like, listing all of the like ethnicities and races yeah <laughs> and they're like half of them are like sort of slurs <laughs> like, yep. she like, yeah. didn't didn't hit the mark on that but like somehow I like I remember that being sort of controversial at the time people were like why did you say that but like that has not stopped it from becoming a pride anthem and I think um my favorite phrase from that song besides the bridge which is like next level good um these I think it's like the fourth or fifth line of the song she says um in the glass of her boudoir (laughs) which is I didn't even know what that was for the longest time no I well the glass I guess is like the mirror but like I've never heard anyone refer to it as a glass before like looking glass sure but like and then boot, I, I don't know. It's just, it's perfect. Like, I miss when she was, like, genuinely weird like that. Like. I, yeah, no, I mean, 
that was sort of almost, I feel like that was almost like accessible for her weird era. Like, yeah. It's still, I mean, the music video for that one in particular was a lot, but like in a good way. It was certainly like one of her weirdest moments, that music video. And like, it's so wild to see where she has come. Yeah, I mean, it's like, there, but like, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't, I don't mind any of it. The only thing that I actually cannot abide by is like the house labs of it all, just because I hate, I hate <laughs> it when people do makeup lines now. I'm like, yeah. And like, no, I've never seen, I go to Ulta. I go to Ulta. I don't see any of that shit at Ulta. Like it's, it only exists online marketed oh, yeah. to stands, I feel like, except for like um, Fenty, which is the exception. And, but also yeah. like the progenitor, like she was the first. Exactly that. Yeah. Like it was Rihanna did it and then everybody else tried to scramble for their like piece of the pie. But yeah. like, could only get like Amazon exclusives. <laughs> I know because that's what it is. It's like, it's the equivalent of people like, like housewives selling wine. Like you like <laughs> license something and then slap your name out of it. Like who the fuck is using rare beauty to like, I wouldn't, I mean, I don't, like, I'm not a makeup wearer, but, like, I would not put that on. Absolutely Like, not. I don't, I wouldn't even test out, like, a wristwatch of it, I don't think. Like, it just doesn't seem, like, safe. Absolutely. And, like, yeah. it's not trusted. But, like, who I, can you trust in the makeup realm right now? Because, like, the people who review it are so crazy. The people who make it are unqualified. Like, <laughs> oh my what's God, a girl yeah. to do? Exactly. You can only trust that one makeup review artist whose name is uh, evading me at the moment. Um, the one that, oh, Tati Westbrook. Oh yeah, Tati. <laughs> you trustworthy, trustworthy is a tough, um, <laughs> like I think she would think herself trustworthy. I've never seen any evidence of that myself. I do love her though as like a spiritual leader. Like I think she has like a teal swan cult in her and I oh. want to touch back with her when that happens. Like I don't need to like hear the makeup of it all necessarily. No, absolutely not. All right. Um, what is your fourth song on your list? My fourth song harkens back to Miss Donna Summer, as we were talking about mm -hmm. earlier, the MacArthur Park Suite. Perfection. Which might be cheating a little bit because it's technically three songs, but the songs that bookended are MacArthur Park and Heaven Knows, mm -hmm. which are just like two perfect disco songs in my eyes that like I, and the way that like Marauder like did the transitions between songs it's like yeah. so perfect it's it takes a mind to I mean it takes a mind to make one perfect pop song but to make three separate ones and put them all together right I mean that's that's genius like I love I I, I love this inclusion on this list like she just, I, I just, like, she's definitely properly appreciated, too. Like, not everyone to be underappreciated, like, but the importance of Donna Summer cannot be, like, overstated. Hard agree. In culture. Like, yeah. 
it also like she makes MacArthur Park sound so glamorous. And I used to live I when I was I lived in LA for four years and like I used to live pretty close to the actual MacArthur Park. Mm. Not that glamorous. <laughs> like she makes it sound like she's in like Venice or something. And, and it's nothing of the sort. But like <laughs> I um I, I don't know. That's that's acting. A singer who can act is a powerful thing. Absolutely. And I feel like she was such a precursor to like the modern pop divas that like would like she knew like the spectacle behind her music and like she really leaned into it as she was performing yeah. it and for the, like the studio recording and then also for the concerts, like the way that she would come down on the moon, like that whole thing. Yeah. Like in full command of her aesthetics and like it's pretty hard to find full produced music videos from the 70s. But she was like one of the few people who was actually doing like music video, music videos and not just like taped like live performances or like bandstand performances. Oh yeah. I adore her. <laughs> diva, 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 diva. Uh, um, I have one of Donna's children at my number four spot actually. Um, Commander by Kelly Rowland. Uh Oh my God, I'm so glad that you included this. So th this was absolutely, I, I'm gonna go turn on the light. Um, this was definitely underappreciated when it was actually happening. But now I think we've realized. I mean, it's about time because like she yeah. really ushered in the sort of EDM revival, but like, well, specifically first, good music. Second yeah. of all, with like pop, singer at the helm of like the vocals for the EDM song yeah which, like really brought it because she I mean she did the like DJ featuring blank thing too like when love takes over is a stone cold classic I don't know if you've heard that out recently like that song goes off in a in like a bar setting it's it's unbelievable but like commander yeah, like somewhat, I mean, it's, it's, it, she, you can shoot me for saying this. It's a commanding performance. Like she really, <laughs> she really like, like she like took control of the narrative. Like she, she made EDM its own thing. This is also a David Guetta song. I did not realize that actually. Wait, which is, is really? Yeah, it's not, it's not her it's her featuring him it looks like which okay. I did not know but that's a testament to the power of Kelly Rowland that I did not know that very that very yeah. that I, I do miss that era of pop music a lot me too like I feel like that was when also David Guetta was also making good music like yeah because he knew that like he had to get these like vessels <laughs> for his music like almost, yeah um, you're it's like poison pilling EDM into the mainstream but it was like a very like fun kind of EDM too it's like housey adjacent and like right. people very, were making like choruses and not drops necessarily which exactly. is a crucial crucial distinction and we all know that choruses slash hooks are essential for good pop music, especially when the divas are concerned. 100%. You cannot get away with a drop or a wordless chorus in most instances. Like, not a hard and fast rule, but like, you think of like the best David Guetta songs, like 
who's that chick yeah i mean titanium kind of has, has a drop like oh but sexy bitch not- featuring right. akon that's a hit like oh yeah yeah that's a staple of my running playlist um Even if they have beat drops like it, there is a strong chorus yeah like uh, clarity by zed which did not make it on my list <laughs> but, like that's a really you can't have it both ways but you gotta have a chorus like yeah a hit's a hit and it sucks that like part like pop music from like 2016 to 2019 for me was like truly horrible because so many people learned the wrong lesson from the edm wave of the early 2010s like they had the drops but like they took away the tempo which you can't do and no choruses so like Mm -hmm. the chain smokersification of pop music which i've like talked about like way too much on this podcast but like it's i think like a disease like or like tree rot on the industry dutch elm not good Ugh, no absolutely not but Kelly Rowland, you will always be famous for this and many other things, but- Kelly Rowland, you were so loved. She, well, she is still, I watch, um, she was a guest judge on a recent episode of Legendary. Was she and, really? Yes, and she, the queen, or the queens, they're not drag queens, the performers were truly gagged. Like they were like, bow, like bowing down, like so reverential. Like she's very important. Kelly Rowland is very important. Exactly, as she should be. In yeah, my she deserves. They're all they're all talented. We all love them, but I love Kelly Bone. Okay, what is your number three song? My number three is not to be that gay, but uh, "Into You" by Ariana Grande. Okay, because like it's it's so good. It it's it's so good. That whole album is fucking awesome. Like it really is. I just said 2016 was not a good year for pop music, but like that album front to back is all hits. Yeah. It really is. I think it's because she recognized that like she needed to have a few club hits in her after Love Me Harder. Yeah. She had like, if you have a diva voice, like so much of the diva like canon and this going back to Donna Summer is built off of like dance tracks with these like powerful vocals. Like even Mariah's done it sort of with like fantasy and yeah, and she's got like different albums. Yeah, like if you can, like if you can do it, you should do it. A thousand percent, and like the ability to just like make Max Martin production your own almost. Yeah, like, it's it, like that's an Ariana song. Like you cannot. Like you recognize like the pop talent and like the production, but like it like still is her song with yeah. like a song club backing. And that was some of the last good Max Martin music too. Cause like at that, I mean, he did a lot of stuff on Dangerous Woman, but then like, I think he did a little stuff on Glory mm. by Britney. And then the next thing he did was Chained at the Rhythm. Oh. And after that, like, I don't know where you go from that. (laughs) Can you believe I have dated no fewer than two guys long-term, two guys long-term whose favorite Katy Perry song is Chain of the Rhythm? Are you serious? Isn't that sick? That is. Like, my picker, my picker's bad, I guess. Like, I I actually can't believe that. Like, like, that's like getting struck by lightning twice. No, like, actually, though, like, that's not even, like, a gay 
it's just like a knowledge of pop culture and just a a matter of tales yeah like I can't imagine listening to that and being like this is good (laughs) right like it's fine it's totally fine and like I I'm not a Katie cat necessarily like I definitely I was at one point for sure like but like I don't have like enough like stand blinders on to like ignore Mm. that you know no I agree I'm totally I do totally ascribe to the theory that like the second she gave herself a pixie cut she started making bad music because it just is too damning well it's not um I'm going to say this with a big stamp of alleged on it. Insider to you from all this, because I also used to work at Katy Perry's label. My Google Home in here is Orlando Bloom's Google Home. And that is a story I cannot tell on this podcast. But she, that cut was not self-induced. Let's put it that way. If you dye your hair platinum for the first time, you have to do a test beforehand to see if your hair responds to the treatment. And when you bypass that step, things fall out and things look patchy. When you have a luscious flowing mane of hair. Oh, true. You can't, you can't fuck around with that. So sometimes the only thing you can do is buzz it all and pretend like it's different. No. Allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. My apologies to Katie's alleged dead ends. Um, you indicated this, but damn. Oh my god. Damn. It, it, it was a tough, a tough situation for sure. Um, I, I, I don't, yeah, she, you're right. She has not really recovered Poor girl. from that. <laughs> But that's like, it's tough to, ch- I mean, pop stars like change their looks around all the time, I guess. But like when you have like one signature look, like it's that you've used for almost a decade, it's like kind of hard to like get rid of that, you know? And also like the timing of like when she started making, say, worse music. Sorry. Katie. Sure. And like you can argue that, um, Prism was sort of the beginning of the end because like there's a lot of good stuff on Prism, but like half of that album is like Christian rock nonsense mm-hmm. that definitely transitions into the like my third eye is open kind of yeah silliness like Williamson's mortal enemy type. yeah I um I remember oh my god this is like such a flashback basically five years ago to the day. I was helping, and this is not a joke, five, or no, I'm sorry. No, yeah, five years ago to the day, today, we were recording this on June 8th. I was helping set up the Witness live stream. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not to quote Lin-Manuel, but I was in the room when, where it happened. <laughs> Sucked. Um, okay, we gotta move on. Sorry. Is it your turn? Oh, no, you just did into you. Yes. Okay. Wow. We really got like swirled around there. Okay. This is the time in the podcast where we talk about 212 by Azalea Banks. So I don't know what else there is to be said about her. This song, I think, is the best song of the past decade. 
I a thousand percent agree. I'd argue that no other song comes close. Yeah, I. There are only two. There are only two songs from like 2010 onward that for me was truly like a before and an after. This is one of them and Bip by Sophie is the other one. I would agree, honestly. And I'll add a third because it's from my favorite album of all time and I cannot like, I'd be remiss if I didn't say it. Every Single Night by Fiona Apple also before and after for me, which was hard to go from like in... 2012, 2011, 2012, and 2013. That's a lot of before and after, you know? That's, that's, that's true. Like time ward era hopping. Um, what is your experience with this song? Because <laughs> we all have one. I, um, I will just say I was not an early adopter of Azalea Banks. I, I think the song came out originally in 2011 or 2012. Yeah, so you would have been pretty young. would have been redacted Mm -hmm. Uh, but inappropriately (laughs) young I would say to listen to this song I get that yeah with that being said this doesn't really improve it at all I first heard it in 2013 Um, (laughs) so better though yeah time um and I um, like I had like my Roku or whatever like in my room and Mm -hmm. I was like looking it up and like Two and Two by Azalea Banks. And then I went down a rabbit hole of all of her music. I was just immediately floored. No, it's, it's, I mean, it's perfect. Like, I mean, from that and through Broke with Expensive Taste. I mean, honestly, I like Slazy and Anna Wintour too. Like her hit rate's pretty good, except for the the Christmas EP. But like the, everything else is like pretty, pretty solid. Like, but I mean, Coming out of the gate that hot with 212, like that's that's fucking insane. <laughs> like it really is. Yeah. A testament. And the music video also so iconic. Like Ugh. made for $20, indelible. Yeah. One guy that looks like Danielle Harl. Yeah. Danielle. I I have been told I look like that guy before, which I don't agree. And like I don't wear glasses like out in public. So I don't know why I would I think I'm just white. Like, and like I have brown hair like okay he does look like Danielle Harley though like and I always I feel like I've been told so many times who it actually is and I do not remember any time I've been told who it actually is but I think he's also a producer oh he is it's Jacques Green oh oh yeah 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 that makes sense I like his stuff he did um if you have not listened to do you know Katie B Yes. Okay. He's did some cool stuff with KDB on her first album and then this EP. Oh. Um she did an EP in like also 2012. God, everything goods from 2012. Um that's like her Green, Jesse Ware, Disclosure, Diplo, and pre-fancy Iggy Azalea. Oh my god. It's so good. I would definitely recommend checking that out. I'm not sure if it's on streaming, but I uh it's definitely on SoundCloud somewhere. I think it was a free rip, like SoundCloud rip back in the day. So I bet it's still up. Oh my God. Yeah, totally. No. Okay. We can, we, let's move on to the number two song on our list. Cause 212, The Greatness Speaks for Itself. So my number two was Telephone. Okay. Uh, Beyonce and Lady Gaga, of course. Yeah. Um, if not only because of the music video, but 
both song and music video are iconic of course yeah not to throw that word around lightly but no but I mean like you know we're this is a list of basically all iconic things like it yeah. it totally it totally tracks um yeah I the worst gay bar in Chicago sidetrack is a video bar and the highlight of every time I've gone to sidetrack is when this video and song comes on because yeah. otherwise it's pink and I don't like pink so odd I mean neither of us are middle-aged women over no <laughs> no <laughs> no um it is there's not a pink song on my list either so yeah no no pink here um it is the video is just like it's it's not my favorite gaga video but it's like her operating at like the peak of her powers basically yeah it is like quintessential gaga even if it's not her peak which honestly checks out for gaga yeah like I, I, my favorite, and I literally tweeted this day, my favorite song and video of Gaga's is Alejandro. Like this whole era was like impeccable visually, but like in terms of like spectacle and like the ideas of everything, like Telephone's like hard, hard to beat. Yeah. I even, it's not my favorite of the two Beyonce Gaga collabs so video phones. Video phone parentheses extended remix is actually my favorite. Okay, I'm glad that that at least got a nod in this yeah. because it was a moment. It was a moment. It should have been more of a moment, but like a thousand percent. When Gaga says "hubba hubba," yeah, yeah, like she like put, she puts her whole chest in that "hubba hubba" too. Like it's yes. like, like she's a singer who can act. That video is a mess especially compared to telephone it's so budget and like the sasha fierce era like single ladies aside visually oh not good oh those green screens were uh you know putting in the work yeah like it's it's weird to think of a time where beyonce could make like sort of flop music <laughs> yeah no for sure i think like honestly she's built her own mythos very well yeah, she recovered great. I mean, four is like, it's definitely, I think four is in her top three for me. I like that take. Yeah, it's a great album. I know some people who's, that's their favorite. Like, yeah, no, there are four truthers out there and I admire them because it is a great album. It's good. And like, I mean, it's, Telephone was kind of like the last gasp of Beyonce as like, a dance pop yeah. artist because four came out in 2011 yep and it was that's it's weird to think that like four came out at the same time that like tayo cruz and kesha and all these people were right. super popular like that's a weird like i it's weird to like be like one of the biggest artists in the world and be like i'm not doing this like yeah no, like to be able to take the step back that she did. Yeah. And pull it off was just like monumental for lack of a better word, really. And it was like, she was like paving the groundwork for the self-titled. Oh, yeah. Ironically. But Four is like, I mean, Four is like such a good album in, the, in its own right. I wish she had done more telephone. Like, I don't know. I mean, like, Apparently, the new Beyonce album is going to be a disco album. 
mm-hmm. which I'm excited by. But I don't think it's, I mean, it's definitely not going to sound like telephone, obviously. I feel like it's going to be like blow part two yeah. and more fleshed out, which not a bad thing. I love blow, but. Oh, me too. I'm interested. I'm interested to see what she does next because it's been a long time. Um, I also picked like classic pop diva statement here. Uh, like a Prayer by Madonna was my number two here. I respect it. I'm not going to spoil what my number one is, but um, period. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, talk about visuals <laughs> that, that make people upset <laughs> with spectacle. I actually have a funny story about this. I this song in particular. I used to work at an Urban Outfitters. Okay. I, um, I would work the morning shifts sometimes. When like, oh my god, salute the troops! <laughs> Urban Outfitters in the morning. Hey, ah, yeah. But basically, the managers like would just put on the store playlist like as we were working and mm-hmm. what we do was um like unbox all of the shipments that we had gotten that morning fast mm-hmm. fashion no joke they really like bring in a lot of shit every morning yeah but as we were like folding things and putting like the tags on them or whatever um this would like like a prayer was one of the songs that would always be playing mm-hmm. and i was like you know i get it yeah I don't know if I got like Stockholm into appreciating it because like I already liked the song, but it definitely grew on me as I worked there. When it like it ba- it got so like ingrained in your lifestyle essentially that like you couldn't like get out of it. You know? No, literally like I it just reminded me of a sense of routine. <laughs> yeah. That's that's powerful stuff. <laughs> like that's the power of music right there like it can move it can shake it can change i I want let's go um i want to hear your number one if i this is a segue into your number one it is my is hung up by madonna okay i i thought that is what you were going to put as your number one i also considered it for my number one as well so i mean taste for starters of course but like the way that A, it samples maybe ABBA's best song. Which is in my backups. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like on top of that, it was such like a, I feel like Madonna after American Life, despite that album being an undisputed classic, Justice for American Life, she needed like a resurgence to like bring herself into the 21st century if you will like with for like her newer fans and I feel like hung up like really really solidified her as like a 21st century icon yeah 100% like I sound like a pitchfork writer she's mining pop's past and making it sound like the future like it's it is like it takes a lot of balls to write something like take a sample so recognizable and like make it your own oh yeah and she really like I mean she did that I like she oh no go on like I would just say like in terms of because the sample is at a different point in Madonna's song than it is Abba's like it almost like make on equal footing in terms of the songs and like how iconic and like staple 
by definition like, yeah obstacles they are like they like she actually I would argue like made like an equivalently good song with it which 100% agree and like the rare like I hate it when DJs get too like clever with shit like I don't I don't like it when like they pull some sort of like stunt with like transitions and stuff but the number of times that I've heard gimme 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 into hung up oh yeah in some like half and half like Neapolitan Sunday concoction is like (laughs) perfect it's heaven on earth every time like no Britney Spears but heaven on earth oh my god I did you have we didn't have a Britney song on here Okay, well, th- let's let's just say this "Heaven on Earth" perfect Pride song too. Blackout in general, like this is your yeah. No, thank Brittany you. Brittany had a good year, but like unfortunately not in this not in this particular space. You did not, you did not, you did not um do anything iconic enough to make it onto this top ten. Um, even though I'm looking at what made it into my backups, and that is actually very sad here. But um, no, "Heaven on Earth" great Britney song too. So good for that um I'm glad I mean Madonna like I do think Madonna deserves a spot at number one Mm -hmm. this song yeah I can see I think yeah I think this is like the most like gay of her songs out of a rich history of gay music it's not like it was going to be drown world substitute for love (laughs) like you know that being a classic. <laughs> it's a classic, but it's not it's not the gayest song of hers. Um, I also, I hate how obvious I went for my number one, but like there really was no, I, th- I, I thought about it and there was no other option. I picked Believe by Cher. Oh, of course. I know, isn't it's so first thought, but like, I just can't. Huh? There's a reason it's like your first thought. Yeah. Like sometimes like things are obvious for a reason. Like you can't have pride without share. Like even if it's like share doing ABBA covers, which is great too. Like that, like, you know, there has to be something on the mix that's like a share song. And I feel like Believe is, it's a very queer song in that Miley Cyrus has covered it with a bunch of drag queens, but it's also like allyship too, in the way that like every straight chill person I know loves this song as well. It is like, if it's for everyone to dance to a pride, and I know that like, that's not like in the spirit of things, but like, it is, it's like a gay anthem that got like incepted in the mainstream in a way that I really like respect, so. For sure. There's like an accessibility to it. Yeah. But it's also just like a good pop song. Exactly. Like if it, there's a reason like so many people do cover it because like the lyrics are good. Like you can really like do a lot with it to to jazz it up. I think that's a great number one. Like it, it, it just makes sense that Cher, A, makes it on the list, B, gets on with this song at number one like it really just like there was certainly no other share song that would have unseated this particular share song like I'm not like the biggest like share gay in general but like 
she makes a lot of that like cheesy Broadway rock that like I mean we we're complaining about with like Elton John and Queen like she does a lot of that but like mm-hmm. this also invented invented like a genre of like she was like doing the Euro dance thing before like a lot of people were doing the Euro dance thing yeah like the whole and also the vocoder like auto yeah like that was such like a pivot for her and it if, made sense it works oh it works it works like gangbusters like and I I mean this in like the most positive way like it sounds like it could be on Ray of Light yeah a high compliment for me I mean anything that sounds like it could be on Ray of Light that should be taken as a compliment 100% I would like to hear before we wrap up um we don't have to talk about this at length but I would love to hear what you some of your backups were um so some of my backups were um, Whole New World slash Pretend World by Sophie. Yeah. Um, just because I feel like that's really like a declaration of purpose. Yeah. Um, I would like to add an addendum that the DOS remix of that is, oh. I heard that out the other day and I was like, truly, I, I was like seizing. So. I'm a very big DOS fan and that remix in particular, like is like, just makes me want to like break something. She dropped her Pride playlist on Apple Music today. For all my Apple Music listeners, please go listen to that because it's very good. Um, what else do you have? Feedback by Janet, Biscochito yeah. by Rosalia. Um, I thought that was a little too modern, but like, you know what, hey. No, but like uh, that also is something that immediately like powered its way through. <laughs> like, yeah. And then finally, anything by Brie Runway. Because I feel like she's kind of a diva in the making. Yeah, do you absolutely diva in the making? Like by this time next year, I feel like she will have had a Doja Cat like meteoric ascent to fame. I really hope so. Yeah, my backups were mostly obvious. I have "Gimme, Gimme, Gimme" by Ava, "Starships" by Nikki, just because once oh, yeah. again it's the most like pride parade of her songs. "Girls Just Want to Have Fun" by Cindy Lauper. People forget how song good this song is. Like every time I've gone out and it's come on like immediate with floor filler, like everyone's obsessed with it. Um, and then they get off when Evacuate the Dance Floor by Cascada comes on because that is what the song tells you to do. Um, I think that song is so good I and way too. better than Every Time We Touch. And I don't, I, I think those, the prominence should be reversed yeah and and then um shark in the water by vv brown i, I, I oh my god it's the gayest song look i i did not ostensibly set out to make this episode like the like top 10 gay club jams for for twinks and jean shorts like i did that's what ended up happening and i'm happy we did it like i would not change that for the world but like Shark in the Water by V.B. Brown is like one of the queerest songs ever because it was soundtrack that Degrassi commercial that changed everyone's lives. Like oh, just simple as that. Carnival? Huh? Oh yeah, the carnival one, yes. Uh, the, oh my God. No, literally we all, like, I know this gets thrown around a lot also, but like we all know where we were. No, oh, we like paradigm shifting and like, for me it hit and I've talked to someone else who was like this for too like I'm a big like when I hear a song I like come up for a music video for it in my head Mm -hmm. and at that point in my life I was in like I think 
I must've been like really early high school. I was like, oh yeah, listening to something. And then I'm like casting my friends in the music video in my head. The Degrassi commercial to Shark in the Water is like, like if I had been able to make a music video such, like just like casting a bunch of random high schoolers doing like weird, mysterious shit. And like, it, of course it was circus carnival themed, like everything back then was like, oh yeah, God, oh. a moment. It truly was. She has, I believe, changed her her, her artistic name to something else now, and I wish I knew that where that was because I would like to give her for her flowers. But um, Vivi Brown, if you're you probably will not always be famous, but like you'll be beloved by a very niche sector. Vivi Brown is loved party. <laughs> the Vivi Brown is loved party starts now, right after we get off of this episode. Um, Bobby, thank you so much for being here. What a marathon. Oh my God. I had the best time. This was one thing about me. I am going to go on a tirade when it comes to pop music. And I'm so glad that you gave me the platform for this. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for being here. Like, it's nice to have a true musical expert on. Um, I'm, I'm, I think this was a worthwhile exercise. (laughs) It doesn't really matter at this point because we did it for an hour 20. I had the time on my left, though. Um, before we go, um, can you just drop a non-pop album necessarily that you think people should really be listening to? Because you have impeccable music taste across all genres, and I want people to bear bear fruit to that or bear witness, whatever. Witness fruit. Wait, that's such a great question. Um, I think my favorite album released this year is the Black Country New Road album. there Mm -hmm. um i adore that uh highly recommend if you like um songs that are over seven minutes long it's very experimental rock yeah it's cool it i i i respect it more than i like it but i think this is a good choice for for it there are a lot of bands like that though that i'm like like, I know you really like Porridge Radio, too. I'm not a, like, uh, same same kind of reason. Uh, me, look at me, um, asking you a name and, like, your favorite album of the year, then immediately being like, it's okay. <laughs> that is so rude. <laughs> that is so rude of me. Now, um, definitely check that out, though, because it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really, really cool album. Just, like, going with a very, like, prepare to be challenged by it. Because mm-hmm. it's a challenging lesson. Um, where can people find you on social media if you'd like to be found? Um, my at on Twitter is Bobby on Main, um, which is a play, unfortunately, on Horny on Main, um, which I famously am not, but you know, no, no. refreshingly so, I would say. Yeah. If you like Real Housewives videos with uh, captions that are really disorienting, then follow me. Yeah, I I, I and I do mean this like more so than most people who come on this podcast with the like rare you know like care like follow Bobby and Carrie O'Donnell those are my two people that who have been on this pod that like you can best follow on Twitter um I would reverse those JK no but everyone equal everyone equal um but not me though I'm FKA pigs on Twitter with a z at Drew Haskins on Instagram with Z's and you can follow at Crisis String Pod on Twitter and Instagram for direct updates. Um, 
with that, happy Pride, everyone. I hope you like this. I had the time of my life. Bobby, thank you so much. Thank you. Um, and until next week. <laughs>